Welcome back to the Yahoo Fantasy Hoops podcast. Uh, as always, I am Andy Barron's coming to you from Chicago. Uh, of course, we hope that you and your family are safe. I continue to be quarantined here. Dalton Del Don quarantined uh, somewhere in California. Dalton, what's up? How you doing, man? Doing all right, Andy. Uh, good to talk to you. Um, yeah, where do we stand? Um, I'm getting slightly more encouraged uh, as where things stand now. Uh, what about yourself? Uh, slightly more so, sure. Like we're 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 all just news hawks all the time, and you you've like we had some discouraging news from a uh, maybe a public health official was it in Santa Clara who said he would be shocked if any sports came back before Thanksgiving, but we've also heard much more encouraging things, perhaps from from Major League Baseball and from the NBA itself. Uh, Adam Silver has said that he does not expect to make any decisions about the NBA season until at least May. And probably not that early. Um, they still give lip service to the idea of continuing the regular season. So I guess we have to hold that hope for that. Um, it doesn't seem super likely to me, but the playoffs still do. Yeah, it's clear that the NBA wants to be at the forefront of this. And, uh, you know, we need sports and we'll, we'll talk about horse that idea soon. Um yeah, I mean, obviously, it's smart to say, you know, we don't know anything until May 1st. Let's quit fooling ourselves and try to plan ahead like we were originally yeah. when this started. Um, but I don't know. There, there are some signs out there that it's possible that the curve is flattening sooner than expected. And it really does seem like sports uh, is on everyone's mind and they're itching to get back. Obviously, safety first. And I have no idea how it's going to look. Um, it may be in front of no fans, obviously, but uh, in one central area. But it, it seems to me that from two weeks ago to now... I'm a little bit more encouraged uh, that we are going to see uh, some, some. Yeah, this is this is one of those things where I'm entirely the wrong person to talk about it. Of course, neither one of us, uh, to the best of my knowledge, you don't have a public health background. I certainly don't. Um, it seems to me like you can't bring anything back on a large scale until you have uh, testing capability for like every player, either yeah. every day or every week or something like sure. that. Right? We must. We have, to, we have to reach a point where we have uh, uh, medical staff that can attend a pro sports league and uh, and are expendable enough in daily life, and then uh, testing available to every player who's gonna who's gonna take the court. Presumably, um, maybe that's wrong. I don't know. It, it seems like that's about where we are. So we have to get there first, and hopefully, we'll be there uh, at some point this summer. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what, so what, what horse? I'm super I mean, excited horse? for it. I mean, that, that'll, I mean, in the meantime, televised horse. <laughs> Didn't did, did, This existed. I was going to say the first iteration of this wasn't great, right? I can't remember that exactly. Was it okay? But I mean, any, any TV right now, any sporting event, I'm in. Don't, don't get me wrong. I'm in. But uh, is this going to work? I mean, the thing is, I was a, I was a little kid when um, I have super vague memories, and I've looked it up on YouTube since then, and it's not nearly as exciting as I remembered it, but... Like CBS, this aired on CBS in like the the late seventies or early eighties, um, and you can like you can go to YouTube okay. and find um, you know George Gervin against Pete Maravich in whenever it was, but it's like it's an empty gym and they're not too excited to be participating in it and it's not everything that you that you'd think it could be. Um, I have no idea what this would look like and I almost. I almost like it as a concept more than that. Like, I'm afraid at how the NBA might execute this, but some of the early names tied to it are pretty exciting. We've heard um, uh, the possibility that that Trey Young would be involved, that Zach Levine would be involved, Chris Paul. Um, the, like, allegedly, this competition would involve some NBA alums, um, perhaps some players from the WNBA. I will just tell you that if if she's involved, my early favorite... 
if she's involved and there's like a limit on dunking and we have all kinds of like, I, I, like, I don't know, it can't turn into a dunk contest, right? That can't happen. Or Zach Levine is just going to win it. Um, presume like if we assume that there's no dunking involved, D- Diana Taurasi might win this thing. Yes. All right. So that is correct. There is no dunk. First of all, circling back, I met the one that the original iteration that was like six years ago or whatever. I vaguely remember watching not you back old school black and white. I forget who I'm, who I'm speaking of. I forgot <laughs> well, about the OG, black and white, I but it's pretty close to black and okay, white. I forgot and about that. It was that. a thing. Okay. I, okay. I forgot it was about a thing. that. You, you're, you got me on the old school original one. I apologize for my mis, misspoken before, but. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so right before this, we started recording. They actually came out with the bracket here, Andy, uh, of this horse tournament. So um, it's Trey Young versus Chauncey Billups. It's Tamika Catchings uh, versus Mike Conley. Your guy, Zach Levine, versus Paul Pierce. And yes, no dunking is allowed. And then Chris Paul versus Allie Quigley. I'm probably going to say her name wrong. But so there, we got that right before breaking, right before recording. Ah, oh, that's it's not it's not a dream field of uh WNBA players. I feel like Paul Pierce might be a might be a, a a sleeper here. Like he's probably not the guy that you're banking on and Paul Pierce is probably not shooting as regularly at this point in his life as uh, as Zach Levine or Chris Paul or certainly Trey. Um but but like I don't know. I don't want to count Pierce out of a of a weird competition like this. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, yeah, it's unclear how this will actually work uh, televised, and but I feel like the players will be into it. Unlike before, you know, this is totally a different situation than the other ones, just as far as you know, everyone involved for different reasons. So theoretically, it could be fun. Um, I guess to hold a coin toss before to like figure out you know who goes first, and uh, hopefully they get some. Uh, I feel like Trey Young, you know, as the distance, you know, there'll be some trick shots because I remember if I remember correctly, the the problem with the first version or the or sorry. The, the last version is it, resu- it resulted in a bunch of just 20 footers. You know, I want some some real some some thought put into it, some crazy shots. Yeah, that's the other thing. If you do this in real time, um, there's going to be a lot of missed shots like people like people hate the dunk contest when we have missed dunks. Who did and that? Like, Who did that? They tried like 30 times. Uh, Birdman. What was his name? Remember that one? They didn't have a rule. It's, he sat there for like 30 minutes, he kept kept missing over right. and over and over. Right. We don't we don't need this in a game of horse. And it's definitely a possibility because, you know, like, I don't know. I, I remember one of the the last NBA games that I saw. It might have been the last NBA game that I saw involved. Uh, that was the Mavericks visiting uh, Chicago. And like Luca can stand at half court and, and shoot about 60 percent on uh, half court shots it appears like <laughs> he did that he right. did that pregame he was making so them without range like, for sure uh, without without any emotion without any you know he certainly wasn't surprised that a bunch of them were going down like like the best shooters in the world can definitely do that i have no doubt that trey young can stand at midcourt and shoot you know, i don't know 50 percent if he wants to and yet there is a possibility that this is you know guys are not even going to shoot 50 percent in a game of horse and it would be unwatchable unless it's heavily edited yeah, no, I'll be watching, of course, no doubt. I'll probably even be gambling on it. Let's see what the odds are. Uh, of course, uh, nothing else to, to, to gamble on these days. So, yeah, hey, this some news is better than nothing. And, uh, yeah, what else are we going to talk about these days, right, Andy? I will I will tell you, um, and I, I haven't, again, I haven't gone back to YouTube to to verify this in great detail, but in my, in my memory, um, Pete Maravich was was really good at this game when it when it was on in the 70s. He was he was the one guy who would who would throw up like deliberately ridiculous, you know, let's bounce it off the top of the backboard and in kind of stuff. And, you know, like he was 
he he had clearly played a lifetime of horse um preceding the the made for tv event i will yeah. i will also say and we've talked about this online like i wake up almost every day and i i look forward to whatever's airing on hardwood classics on nba tv it's been it's been you know nothing has been nice about uh being locked down but um like retro nba games have been really fun and so the other day was it yesterday? I don't know. Two days ago. What? What is a day? What is time? Who, yeah. who knows? Um, I I woke up and the like. I tune on. I, I tune into NBA TV and a Knicks um, a Knicks Jazz game was on from 1977, and it's the it's the like appropriate like geographically appropriate New Orleans Jazz at the time, and they are highlighting uh, Pistol Pete going for, for 68 he scores 68 points in this game against like one of the what i assume is one of the final phil jackson versions of the knicks right it was like end game walt frazier late in career earl monroe um phil jackson is out there bill bradley's out there but it's like that red holtzman ish uh knicks team and maravich in a league that didn't have threes okay like everything is a two maravich scores 68 anytime Anytime he has even a, a sliver of daylight from like 24 feet, the ball is going up. So like it, it's an 80 point game in today's game, just based on where he was shooting in this game. It's an 80 point game. And then at the end of it, I think they were his maybe his 65th and 66th points. He um, I've never seen this shot. I've never considered this shot. I've never seen anyone <coughs> else do it. He catches the ball in the post um, and I, like in the post, not not underneath the basket, not like two feet or three feet from the basket. He's like on the block in the post with a guy on his hip, catches it and just um, and just blindly flips it over his head and puts a little English on it and it goes in. Like he's not, it's like a blind shot for his 66th point of the game. It was like, it's the most incredible in-game thing I've ever seen. I will remember it for the rest of my life. It was a terrible, terrible video quality, by the way. It was like, sometimes it was black and white. Sometimes it was color. Sometimes um, you could make out shapes and sometimes you couldn't make out the score. It was such bad like quality, but just amazing film, amazing shot. Yeah. So that same summer hoops camp that I went to that I talked about last week in which I watched Hoosiers that I vaguely remember, by the way, it took me down a memory lane. I looked into the hoops camp. It had to close like four years ago. I guess kids these days are, uh, they're all about year round sports. So, uh, old school summer yeah. camps are just the old, old, old thing of the past. Anyway, I watched a, I looked up, I think it's called the pistol of the birth of a legend is a 1991 movie, a basically a biography about, uh, Maravich. And, um, I thought it was older than that, but, um, I, and I remember just also watching old school instructional videos of him that were literally in black and white, just, you know, him doing the spider and all the dribbling moves. So I can imagine him just being amazing with, with the trick shots. Cause he was all about that. Yeah. But crazy. He was like a freshman in, in, in high school. There's, I just remember his story. Yeah. He was just one of the legends, one of the, the, the best old school basketball stories was pistol Pete for sure. From, from memory. I think he, I, I think he scored like. 3,600 or 3,700 points in college in like 80 some games. Like it's just a crazy, his collegiate, um, his collegiate stats are just, are just unthinkable. They're like, you know, the only comparison that you can make is, is like Chamberlain in his first couple of years in the NBA. Like, I mean, I mean, he averaged like 44, 45 points per game. He's just, just a ridiculous player, really fast with the ball. Like definitely one of those guys who was as fast with the ball as without it. Um, you know, wonderful ball handler. Hold on. Never, about- never just, 
never just took a shot that was like where he was just like straight up and down and it was a clean look either. He's always falling. Like he he fall he he would fall constantly every shot. Not even looking for not even looking for calls just because that's how he seemed to be most comfortable shooting. You brought up Chamberlain and we talked about him last week. I came across this stat. Maybe you saw it, but um um I forget who publicized it, but there have been 112 games that Chamberlain uh since the block stat was recorded cuz before that whole rest <laughs> of his career was not recorded. He averaged in those 112 games 8.8 blocks. And this was the end of his career when he was 35 and 36. I mean, that is just yeah. that is like so sick. I mean, we were talking about him last week. Supposedly he was 300 pounds, too. We undersold him. I think we called him 275, 280 on this. So just what a monster. So, yeah, man, I mean, th- th- that's crazy. 8.8 blocks and, and only, I mean, again, at the end of his career. There's there's probably three guys, obviously Bill Russell being another one who um, like, again, if you if you told me that they average 10 blocks a game at their peak, I, it would not be at all surprising. Um, and then Kareem is actually the other one who like the first three or four seasons of his career blocks weren't tracked. Um, and as soon as they were, Kareem is averaging like four, four and a half blocks a game. Right. So he probably lost a ridiculous, a ridiculous total as well. Um, but yeah, like. Chamberlain's numbers were sick, but the Maravich college I appreciate numbers were crazy. You, anyway, yeah, I appreciate you watching the old school basketball. I mean, I really do. I love. Uh, yeah, you're, you're emailing, <laughs> you're emailing us backstage saying Maravich just went off for sixty eight. It's pretty funny. I feel like I feel kind of bad, but I might be watching more um, NBA now than I was <laughs> when the NBA well, was actually yeah. ongoing and live. Because like I watched three games yesterday, and it was and they were and they were good. I was like, you know, it's made me somewhat less productive just because I'm getting sucked into uh, games that happened forever. Go watch that great like multiple overtime um, Kings Mavs playoff game from like oh three that was fantastic anyway I'm I'm very much enjoying the NBA while it's while it's actually suspended yeah I know I've gone down some some rabbit holes myself I mean talking uh, we're talking about the Hall of Fame class I mean right I mean you're, you're gonna bring up Kobe and Duncan so I'm looking at some stats there and I've come across yeah just some uh some um, some interesting stuff. You want to go there? You want to talk about Hall of Fame class? Yeah, let's actually get into it because it's a great class, right? Like it's and and I don't I'm not I'm not your guy who can name um, Hall of Fame classes from any from any given sport, but this has to be one of the better ones in NBA history, right? Um, we've got Duncan, we got Kobe, we've got Kevin Garnett as sort of the the three primary um, you know uh, men's basketball inductees, and there's just been this weird. I thought part of it was it's just it's just been weird coverage around it, weird conversation around this Hall of Fame class because there was almost immediately a uh, a conversation broke out uh, on on social about like which career you would rather have between between Duncan and Kobe, and in my mind, y- you would be you would be hard pressed to find two careers that are that are more similar in terms of just accolades, achievements, championships hardware you you would be really hard pressed to find two careers that are more similar than these two and yet an awful lot of people see an obvious leader here one way or the other it seems it seems split 50-50 and you can't find very many people who are like um yeah they're pretty close almost everybody seems to find a clear favorite a couple things here so i never typically have been into like hall of fame and historian as far as sports numbers but i've realized recently uh you live long enough on planet earth you just you, suddenly these guys are your you know the, <laughs> you get old enough and suddenly you become one just naturally so i yeah. I, I get what you're saying i get both sides here as far as kobe versus duncan the NBA championships deck the same, the seasons play. I mean, it's all crazy amount, very, very similar. And then you continue looking to all first NBA defensive team. Kobe actually has more than Duncan, but then you get into the more, the deep dive, as I was talking about 
Um, I don't know the more advanced stats, the the PIPM, the player impact plus minus, or the regular. I, I think the RAPM regularized adjusted plus minus is the best for history because it's as far as I could tell. And you look at that, and the difference in defense here is just it's just crazy. I mean, it's Duncan's one of the best, probably the most impactful defensive player ever, and and Kobe is frankly maybe a negative. So I mean, I see the side that this is a no brainer, and Tim Duncan was a better basketball player. You know, I feel like I feel like to some extent, um, Kobe may get undermined by his final three. Uh, really, it's like two seasons and a partial season, right? Um, but the the end game for Kobe was not great in terms of in terms of overall value, and and probably negatively impacts him across a, a bunch of advanced stats, right? Like that that's a thing at their at their peak um, at their peaks. Like, I don't know. It almost depends on which advanced stat you want to look at. Like, I think I think Tim Duncan was better in terms of win shares at his peak. Um, Kobe better in terms of player efficiency rating at his peak. Um, You know, Duncan may have had some like there there were also moments when Kawhi Leonard was, uh, you know, obviously Tim Duncan's teammate and happened to be the best defensive player on planet Earth uh, while Tim Duncan was still a really good defensive player, too. So like David Robinson helped a little. Yeah, David Robinson. Yeah. I mean, it's tough. Yeah, no, I yeah, know yeah. it's the tough. Fin- Kobe the final, had obviously like, the best teammates, too, though. Team context always yeah. favored Duncan. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I guess. Yeah, Kobe had some pretty good teammates, too, and and, and, and Shaq helping defensively, too. But, yeah, I, it's tough. Oh, I mean, no no question about it. But if we're just looking at, like, what the um, what the context would have been in terms of other defensive players. Right, and right. Duncan was great. Like, yet another old NBA game that I was just watching the other day was uh, Game 5 of the Finals from 99 between the Knicks and uh, Spurs. And, listen, they're, like... Duncan is switching on to Spreewell and staying in front of him. Like, like Duncan was young. Duncan was ridiculous, was yeah, was no, switchable sure. to the point that you could have him on really fast 20 point per game wings. And he's he still prevents them from getting to the basket. So I don't have, I don't have anything but great things to say about about him, obviously. I mean, they're just both yeah, there's sure. both transcendent players. It's just that they like, you know, you multiple finals MVPs. Um, Kobe certainly could have won more than one MVP. They both made over a dozen all defensive teams. I mean, like Kobe, like an 18 time all star. And they, I think the same number of all NBA teams, like 15 times all NBA. Um, yeah. These are these are shockingly similar careers. And I, I don't know. I, I guess I guess I just don't see like a like a clear leader. Yeah. All NBA first team, Kobe 11, Duncan 10. Yeah. No, I mean, it's uh, it's uh. I hear you. I mean, if you wanted to really buy into the defensive stats, advanced stats, I could see a case for for Duncan. But um, yeah, you're picking nits here, and it's uh, I mean, obviously, what what a class. I mean, okay, and del- delving deeper into this too, uh, looking at the PIPM, uh, Tamika Catchings is uh, essentially the the greatest uh, WNBA player ever too. So uh, what a loaded class! Like I didn't realize yeah, that. Yeah, it's an- that was interesting to look at. Like I guess Deanna Tarazi. He's arguably the best offensive player ever, but a huge negative defensively where all those other people you think of, the Lisa Leslie's, Lauren Jackson's are awesome. And this led me to one other little rabbit hole that I didn't realize, and maybe I'm totally naive, but do you know that Maya Moore, who's absolutely one of the best WNBA players ever, was going to miss her second straight season this year for fighting criminal justice? She's convinced someone is not guilty. An amazing story that I did not fully, fully know. If we're if we're throwing out potential WNBA goats, um, I guess I guess two other names uh, to toss out there, like me. Okay, maybe Sue Bird isn't like a goat exactly, but um, her last full season in the WNBA, she um, uh, you know huge assist total, 
uh, they they win the WNBA title. She she was like 37. Like she's going to yeah. come back and be really good at like age 39. It's going to be one of the great like old player seasons that we've ever seen. And then the other one I'll throw out is uh, is obviously uh, Cynthia Cooper. Uh, the 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 Comets were the the class of like the fr- I think they won the first four WNBA titles and Cooper you know, hails from Chicago. So, um, I'm a fan. Cooper won the finals MVP for like the first four years of the WNBA's history and, and was not even at her peak. She had, she'd come off like an incredible career in, I think Italy. She was a, a, a crazy good European player. Then the WNBA launches and she's already like 34 when she comes into the league and just absolutely straight up dominates it for, for four seasons and then retires. So like she's in there too. Um, but yeah, yeah, the Maya Moore story is incredible. Yeah, I mean, she's still in her prime, 29, 30 years old. Um, yeah, crazy. Probably uh, an idiot for never hearing that before, but I did not realize the depths of that. I mean, she and she's a baller. Like she's, like I said, according to PIPM, she's like basically one of the two or three best players ever. But catchings, wins added, when you talk in the whole career, uh, was the best WNBA player of all time by a wide margin. And she's also in this class with, with Duncan and, and Kobe. I mean, wow, just, just loaded. Yeah. It's a terrific class. And then how far, like how far behind, um, Kobe and Duncan would you, would you put Garnett on, right, on an right, all-time yeah, list? Exactly. No, right like, there. Isn't, like isn't Garnett in their company if, um, the Timberwolves had just been able to put together a, a slightly better team. I, I mean, they had a fun team for a minute there, but Certainly not at the like he didn't have the supporting cast obviously that uh, that Kobe and Duncan did yeah and he was like he was he was your top overall fan- it was either he or Sean Marion that were your top overall fantasy pick for like what felt like I don't know a full decade oh no question no you look at the 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 advanced stats on defense and Garnett is is more favorable than Kobe he's right there with, with Duncan so so yes absolutely yeah. and he and I na- named him as an afterthought yeah what a loaded class so, yeah oh yeah going to imagine if his career was just different if he went to the Celtics a little bit earlier you know we'd be talking about the titles yeah. same but yeah I know what a hugely impactful player I'd definitely arguing that he's you know one of the 10 or so best players really because I mean defense just gets so underrated in these talks Right. That's the thing. He's not he's not so far behind Duncan in terms of uh, overall like career long defensive value. Oh, absolutely not. No, no. He's right there. Sure. Uh, no, he's right there. Like, right level. Those are the two the two best uh, of certainly of our modern era for sure. Can we can we talk about the the biggest news in at least my basketball life right now? Absolutely. Which, yeah. Burying I, your lead for sure. I, I kind of sort of can't believe that I waited 20 minutes to get to it. Um uh, the uh, the John Paxson Gar Foreman reign of terror in Chicago. Well, maybe that's unfair, but their reign in in Chicago like is is over. Um, the Bulls uh, apparently hiring Denver general manager Arturis Karnasovas, um, guy with a guy with a, obviously a, the resume in Denver is unimpeachable, right? Like they've been their rise to to being one of the best teams in the West, super impressive. Obviously, their drafting over the last I don't know three four plus seasons has been terrific um uh, they like they've hardly missed a thing so that organization really impressive i believe karnasovas uh, uh did some time earlier in his career under daryl Morey. so it's like it, it's pretty much the background you want um uh international player for a long time with uh lithuania there's a great shot of him like on the sideline i think waiting to check into a game against the dream team and he's got a camera in his hands taking pictures i loved that um so like just a, a guy who has received uh, incredible reviews. It has been a disturbing hiring process, I will say, because the Bulls talked to some people that I can't believe anybody is talking to. Like, I, I don't know. Like, 
you know, whatever whatever you think of Danny Ferry as a player, uh, his time as an executive, like uh, he he exited from the game under circumstances that should probably disqualify him from high level front office interviews going forward. Um, so it was weird and disappointing. Maybe that was a favor to an agent, something like that. I have no idea. Um, they also talked to Brian Colangelo, who, of course. He of the uh, uh, various burner accounts, uh, I believe it was both, maybe both Brian and his wife that had burner accounts uh, on on Twitter uh, to deride uh, specific players, to maybe praise him. I don't know. Like, just not a good look. Some of the players that they talked to, not a good look. That story is still underrated. Crazy. Yes. Bad process. Like like an all-time underrated story, right? Like, the NBA gives you so many crazy stories that... You know, if that happened in baseball, they, yeah. well, like we would be talking about it forever. But it's just it's just like another thing that happened yeah, in the no, NBA. Yeah. No, his wife did it. And I think he really didn't even know it was happening at the time. Truthfully, um, bad process. Good results. It seems to be what yeah. happened here with the bull situation. Um, yeah, I'm not going to pretend I know exactly what the hire is going to bring. But you said that the history is great and people smarter than me, you know, just say this was the right move. Fantastic. So, yeah, you must be uh, pumped as a Bulls fan because it's hires like this that are ultimately more important, you know, like as a San Francisco Giants fan in baseball, you know, it's, it's, the, it's the front office and, and it's that th- those hires are far more important than any player that, that you yeah. can get right now for the short term. So this is super important to start from the bottom up. It may be a longer process, but actually the more future they think about not worrying about hiring uh, what, what the win loss record in the next two years, you know, the GMs can think yeah. more ahead. That is the ultimate goal. And just don't worry about it as a fan the next couple of years, you know? Yeah, um, Yahoo's Vincent Goodwill has reported that uh, they are they are going to be looking hard at some level of of diversity hire for the general manager. Carnesovis, uh, uh, I, I believe, is a, he probably has Paxson's outgoing title, the executive right. VP in charge of basketball operations, something like that. So uh, perhaps they will will hire a general manager. I mean, like one of the one of the big failings of the current front office or the outgoing front office for the bulls is that they've had meetings with every big free agent since, I don't know, since like uh-huh. 2011 and they have, they've never landed their guy. They've like, whatever, most of the league doesn't, it's hard, you know, it's, it's hard to recruit, you know, peak LeBron, peak Wade, peak whoever, um, to your team, but they, they have always lost those fights. Um, and so they obviously need somebody who can get in a room and actually sell a great player on coming yeah. to Chicago and or be like be able to identify those guys in uh, in the draft process. I feel right. like I feel like the further we get away from John Paxson, the executive, um, I'll I'll be able to have you know like I'll kind of reconcile it and I'll feel better about his career in total, right? Because it isn't even as an exec, it hasn't been all bad, right? It's been bad lately, and he's made a couple of disastrous coaching hires in Hoiberg and Boylan. But he's also the guy who took Jimmy Butler 30th. Um, like, I, I give him full credit for that. He is the guy who pulled off the Eddie Curry trade that basically invented the pick swap. Like, he's like he's done some things. He's had some moments. Yeah, so the early reports are Jim Boylan is uh, worried for his job security. So uh, there, there's that, at least, yeah. What, yeah, what's I mean, gonna like, happen obviously next a there? front office should... That like there are also unnerving else. reports that the the Bulls ownership wants uh, wants Boylan to get a long look and wants him to possibly stay. They obviously like him at some sort of personal level. He, I mean, he's uh, we've talked about it all season. I feel like he's just he's just a clearly, plainly, obviously, no doubt about it, overmatch coach. Um, and 
I don't know. I can't I can't imagine he's really going to stick. Like, why on earth would you hire somebody to run your front office and then not empower them to select the team's next head coach? Um, so I'm, I'm sure there's some, you know, I, I don't know how long it's going to take, but I'm sure Boylan's going to be out at some point. So there's a lot, there's a lot for me to look forward to right now. Yeah. What about Spencer Dinwiddie? Wasn't he going to be their, uh, their new GM? This is my favorite thing that anybody has done on Twitter in, I don't know, the entire, maybe in the existence of the platform. Um, Spencer Dinwiddie just jumps right in with a hilarious plan, um, for, uh, what, what his, like, it was like a 10 step plan for him coming in as a, as a player general manager for the bulls. I freaking loved it. Um, it was like, it's, it's mostly comical. Like it all hinges on, uh, let me, let me see if I can get this right. It was going to be Thad Young, um, Feliciano, Wendell Carter, and like a pick that he was going to trade for Anthony Davis, which, okay. Um, <laughs> like, like, like that's awesome. Um, so you can sign me up for that. So it, somehow his, uh, his multi point plan resulted in a, uh, in a, in a starting lineup of like Levine, Anthony Davis, Drummond, Dinwiddie, and maybe he didn't even care who the other one was. It was like Laurie Markin and maybe was still around. Anyway, I love that he jumped into it. I've never seen a player speculate so openly on what he would do as another team's GM. I have no idea if this is something that's finable for Dinwiddie. I kind of think <laughs> yes. it is. Um, but it was it was just an amazing Twitter thread, and everybody should check it out. Yeah, I know for sure. Uh, yeah, no, it's a uh, what bored quarantine for sure. What a uh, congratulations, Andy! Happy for you. You know, moving in the right direction. It's good. <laughs> it's good. It's good. It's not like a midseason deal for Andrew Wiggins, but oh yeah, we can't. Yeah, it's, it's, that's few few can match that. But uh, still, you'll have to you have to settle for that consolation prize. But yeah, no, no, it's, seriously, it makes good, me- good news for your future. It makes me feel better about plunking down the deposit for right. uh, uh, season, season ticket tickets holder. in yes. a season that sure. God knows how many games they're even going to be. Like I feel like I'm I'm feeling good again. I feel like we have somebody who has identified talent, um, and, and to the rest of the league seems to respect. So I'm into it. No, for sure. Yeah, no, I I, I knew you'd be fired up for that one. Well done. Um, the final thing that I want to talk about here is, um, in case the people have missed it, you have finally, at long last. Much anticipated, much hyped. Um, you have finally released, I believe it's the first three parts of what rumor has it will be a five-part manifesto on your League of Leagues draft. Um, I, I've been talking to our editorial director, Jason Klabaka, and he, um, he he's told me that it's it's a little bit longer than the Old Testament in full, right? Like it's... it's um, a historically long piece of fantasy writing that has to be divided into how many words? What's the word count on this thing? It's five parts. It's a five parter. So while quarantined, you know, some people might learn a new language. <laughs> they might spend time with their wife and two kids a little bit more. I, you know, I, I spent my time writing more than 11,000 words on sports when sports are canceled, <laughs> mind you. So yeah, and I, I use the League of Leagues draft just as an excuse to give any hot takes. And like I said, it led me down a couple interesting wormholes. But um, yeah, there's some Bach thrown in there, some Mitch Hedberg sets. I do a lot of pop fo- culture favorite lists, some classic long reads and, and whatnot. If you're bored... Um, hopefully it's evergreen for a while, but, uh, yeah, give me some other oh, ideas. I'm there. I'm there for the Mitch. It gave me some other ideas. I'm all about yeah, the head. Sure. Oh, so good. Yeah. Gave me some other ideas for future writing too, if no one, uh, you know, cares now, but, uh, definitely more prepared for football this time of year than I've ever been by far for sure. <laughs> I gotta say, like I've written, I don't know, people may or may not know this. I've written three different novels. Yes, um, right. the, the, and the one that sold the best was only like 
35,000 words, I want to say, 35, 36,000 words. So like at 11,000 words, you're at a, a pretty significant percentage of that. You know, I just saw, Andy, I actually just gave you credit the other day about sex drive thinking, I, I mean, when he, James Marsden's in, <laughs> you, you deserve credit, man. I mean, he's a, this, the writer of a, of a legitimately funny movie. I mean, that this is Andy Barron's. <laughs> Tell the name of your what's other book. Uh, what's the name of the other book? Well, the uh, the book that really sold was uh, Fast and the Furious. Fast and the uh, Furious, that, yes. That, that made it into the, uh, it, it's, you know, yet another book about dog agility. Um, <laughs> you know the type. Um, yes. but that, that one made it into the, uh, you know, the thing that your your kids take home from school, the scholastic reader. Man, you, right. get a, you get a book in that thing. And it's got some good cover art and it's going to it's going to sell. I don't I don't even attribute that to the quality of the writing so much as the the marketing effort itself anyway. Um, but that was but my point being that your piece on League it's of Leagues is a significant right. percentage of that and probably would take most people. Maybe what you were trying to create with this five parter was yeah. the actual experience of drafting the league, right? Which was like a 10 hour draft. Maybe. Right. I don't know. Right. Perhaps yeah. it would take about that long to get to get through this. Yes. In its pretty full much. Depth. Exactly. Like I said, I warn all of you. I, I highly recommend none of you read this. Um, but, uh, but yeah, <laughs> if you, you know, there's some, I've written... some, some definitely some hot takes there uh, on football, basketball and baseball. If you're so, so what do you important. what do you believe to be the hottest take? Or maybe you can't even reveal the hottest take. Yeah. Maybe it's too hot. Maybe maybe you should reveal the third hottest take. Yeah, I, I did some like Darius Slayton over Odell Beckham. I went Barkley over Christian McCaffrey. Oh. Um, I found this one. Area I don't. That, I don't think Barkley over McCaffrey is that hot because yeah. honestly, like like before McCaffrey had a historic season, Barkley had a historic season, but. But but Slayton over Beckham might be might be rather That's pretty hot, right? Yeah. Mitchell Robinson, first round fantasy value next year. Um, I I, say, I believe I said the phrase when I, I came away with Tom, Thomas Bryant and Larry Nance. I, I believe that's called winning. Um, there's some uh, some other <laughs> other stuff in there, but you uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, some some hot takes for sure that I'm sure that people if they did read would definitely give me a hard time for. Normally, um, and I, you know, uh, this is an experience that very, that not many people have had, but all fantasy experts go through. Um, like I've written plenty of draft recaps in my day and, uh, they can go one of two directions. You can, you can, as you're writing them, you can feel that much better about your team and you can be like, Oh my God, this is the best thing I've ever done. Right. Or you can, you can, and in a 50 pick draft, um, you're gonna find some picks of regret along the way. I have to imagine. Um, sometimes you feel a little bit worse about your team. Sometimes you feel better. It seems like you feel. Seems like you've really talked yourself into a team that you already like to begin with. Yeah, that's true. But like I said, I'm using this more as an excuse just to talk about anyone I wanted to talk about, not just necessarily my team. But I did dominate. I made some mistakes. Like I took, uh, I took the Patriots over the my Niners D. I don't know what I was thinking there. But uh, some other another hot take I remembered was Derek Henry. Oh, I almost gave you crap in the in the draft yeah, about that. that, I, re that, that I remember a, the Patriots yeah, going early. Yeah, that was a massive mistake. Uh, for sure. I don't know what I was thinking. Niners made the Super Bowl last year while missing the most games due to injury. Uh, another one I took, I've said on this pod, but Robert Covington over Lonzo Ball was a flat out mistake. Ball's going to be an absolute monster. Um, yeah, that, that was a mistake. Uh, oh, no, another hot take. Derrick Henry scores 25 touchdowns this year. Is that pretty hot? Oh, um, that's both plausible and pretty hot, right? Yeah. Like it's not, it's not entirely out of the question. There can't have been more than Man, how many twenty-five touchdown know, seasons? It's pretty have rare. Been no, it's very rare, but still, see, in right, NFL see history, yeah, yeah. it's rare. Let's see if we can name them. It's it's probably I don't know if Emmett Smith got to twenty-five, but he got close. Um, Marshall Falk, uh, Ladanian Tomlinson, Sean Alexander, Priest Holmes. I don't know if anybody else got there. Right. Yeah, that sounds about right. It's some. some it's 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 a handful. It's just it's just like that. So and then he's and then 
Derrick Henry this season is going to happen. Another one, the PIPM suggests that 2016, basically uh, Draymond Green had the best NBA season in NBA history. There may or may not have been one with a LeBron peak, but Draymond (laughs) Green had the best season in in NBA history when you count defensive impact. So there's just that. I don't report the facts, man. I'm not the guy who does these Bayesian techniques and all these crazy models. I'm just reporting the evidence that that is shooting at me, and it suggests Draymond Green might have had the best NBA basketball season ever. I mean, it might be a flawed statistic if it's pointing you in the direction of Draymond Green having the greatest season in NBA history, right? Maybe. No, it checks out. I, I did no. It, talk, it, it, <laughs> I did some back. It checks out. Yeah. yeah. Talk. It, talk to me about the seasons on either side of it. Yeah. How, we'll do they, see, how do they rank? We'll also see how this stat points to Wiggins' future too. Well, uh, I'll, I'll be paying close attention to that. But yes. Uh, anyway, so it was very fun. I, honestly, it was fun. Uh, fun. Fun to write. And uh, uh, yeah, if you're if you're bored, check out the League of Leagues recap. But um. Yeah, man. I, I, you know what? I just hope sports does return so this stuff yeah. actually can talk about this. Because, uh, yeah, like I, earlier on, I'm no, don't listen to me what I'm talking about. But uh, I do feel a little bit more encouraged than I did. You know, when we talked a while ago, I was like, you know, very discouraged. But hopefully sports is now see the light at the end of that tunnel. Which, uh, which game? I mean, I feel like the NBA wants to be the game they that comes back They want to so first. bad, I know. They want to so bad. Yeah. Clearly, they want you, to be the forefront. If you had to wager on it, is it Major League Baseball? Is it the NBA? Or is it uh, is it the NFL? I'm going to say the NBA because of how they can control it a little bit easier with fewer people than baseball and the fact that they're just going to jump right into the postseason. So that, that would be my guess is it starts with the NBA post pretty much the NBA postseason. But it's a total yeah. guess. I, I agree. I don't I don't know if we're looking at I mean, I don't Nobody knows. I don't know if we're looking at June, if we're looking at July. But I I feel the same way that uh, just the number of people that you have to have under one roof is just going to be less than it is for any other sport. Um, you can you can control a lot more things. You can obviously get NBA teams together in one place easier than you can get, say, major league teams or NFL teams together in one place, with, especially with all yeah. the you know supporting cast that a roster needs. Um, it, it seems at the fringes of being doable to me. And if we can just get testing to, to a point where, um, it's readily available to everyone, like maybe that can happen and maybe it can come back midsummer. I will say this though. I mean, obviously there's damage has been done and this is obviously a very sad situation. And you mentioned the season tickets, you know, I live where I, as a, I have a season ticket holder for the 49ers and I, the governor is saying that don't be prepared for that happening in September. So, I mean, life as we know, it is definitely going to be very different for the for foreseeable future, but man, in any, any form I can get sports, uh, please come back soon. Yeah. How about it? Um, it, it's probably a subject for a different, for a different podcast, but you, you, I mean, come on, you got to hope your Niners trade up for Tua, right? Oh, God. oh come on. Are you really tell- going there? Are you out of your mind? Uh, Jim, do you know, Jimmy Garoppolo has fewer, uh, career starts in Baker Mayfield. He has cre- fewer career pass attempts than Sam Darnold. He had a bad final 20 minutes of Super Bowl. Calm down. He had the best any YPA <laughs> on the road last year than, than like ever. Calm, dude, Jimmy Garoppolo is the man. How dare you? We're going to draft CeeDee Lamb, hopefully fall to 13. One of those receivers. We're just going to give him another weapon. You, you Kittle wash and, your mouth Kittle out and with, Lamb together would be sick. Yeah, you wash your mouth out with soap after talking <laughs> bad about Jimmy G. How dare you? We, right, we have to end this. Um, Everybody knows that CJ Beathard is my guy. Yeah, you're you're right. Um, we will we will be back for at least another week. Um, hopefully, we'll have some news on the return of the NBA. Um, a little doubtful that we'll that we'll have any hard news on that, but um, we will of course be coming back uh, next week. If you need any additional sports content in your lives, and I think we all do, uh, I will be joining 
our new boxed in podcast uh, pretty soon, like maybe maybe 30 minutes from right now, in fact, um, where I will give you the straight unvarnished truth on the film Hoosiers. This is the truth that Hollywood doesn't want you to hear. Um, this is the actual truth about Coach Dale's quality as a coach. It's not good. It's not good. He's the worst coach in fictional uh, in the history of American fiction. Um, so that'll do it again. We'll be back Hold next on. Thursday, please. Hold on. Jimmy Garoppolo, yeah. career as a starter, 21 and five. Last year, <laughs> number one in deep ball. Oh, all of a sudden you're Mr. Percentage. Quarterback wins. Hold on. Number one in deep ball completion percentage. Is that good when San Francisco were among the league leaders in, in, in is he, drops? Is he the receivers? greatest quarterback in Niners history? Where is he recovering from Montana, a Garoppolo, Young? Does it go Young, Garoppolo, Montana? How do you how do you rate him? I don't know. Is it good to lead the NFL in net yards per pass play on the road while recovering from a torn ACL? Is that good? Is that an okay stat? Oh, is is it number three all time in passer rating. Is that okay? Is it qualify? good when a team has to hide its quarterback in the biggest moments? Oh, he took a nasty hit late in the third quarter, and I believe he was concussed. <laughs> he just yes, he might have missed that deep throw, a couple throws in the fourth, but I believe he was concussed during then. Anyway. Uh, again, Jimmy G is a perfect 10, both his number and his in the looks department. <laughs> and uh, how dare you? I want people to just it. imagine that you and I are having an ongoing Garoppolo argument for the next seven days until this podcast returns. Uh, until then, you can follow us on Twitter at Yahoo Fantasy, at Dalton Del Don. I am at Andy Barons. Thanks, as always, to our producer, Ragu. That is it. We are out. I'm Mike Lizagoff, Chief Investigative Correspondent for Yahoo News. And I'm Dan Clydman, Editor-in-Chief of Yahoo News. We're the hosts of Skullduggery, where our current focus is on the president and his administration's handling of the coronavirus, as well as the 2020 elections. Subscribe and download Skullduggery wherever you listen to your podcasts.